0: Natural physics is a concept astrophysicist Leroy Larry developed that explains in down-to-earth scenarios how the principles of physics could have come about from observing nature. Each episode begins with a scenario followed by an example to illustrate the application of these principles in futuristic research at the frontiers of science, such as Leroy's astrophysics doctoral research at CINESPA. Center for Space Research, and then concludes with an exploration of how these same principles could have very well been used by ancient cultures and civilizations. Mathematics is naturally encountered and incorporated as the exciting and fun tool of science that it is. Science is the window into our amazing world of nature, and mathematics is the tool to open that window. Natural physics encompasses current, futuristic and ancient physics and ties them together by the principles of physics that are common threads running throughout each.
1: Greetings, I'm Leroy Larry and welcome to Natural Physics Live from Costa Rica. I have a couple of go backs on last episode. Um, yes, I do. And actually I have a, a go back on a go back. <laughs> now, do you remember how because we were so excited to be going down to the Deque Delta uh, on our road trip that I I fantasized about the road to Morocco show. I mean, that kind of feeling of adventure and never having been somewhere before. And um, as you all know, our expedition, it turned
2: into a road trip for Tears and I. So uh, I had moved the road to Morocco
1: and I misnamed the third actor in that movie dorothy Lamour, who at that time i called her heidi La- heidi lamar uh heidi lamar no hetty lamar see i almost did it again okay okay so i called dorothy lamar hetty lamar and then last episode i called hetty lamar heidi lamar i mean who but i could misquote my own self right <laughs> so in order to do justice to Hedy Lamar, and also I had said that Hedy Lamar was from an earlier uh, time period in Hollywood not correct at all. They were both basically the same age. I mean, they were, they were born a month apart. Dorothy Lamour in the United States,
2: Hedy Lamar in Austria. So you see OK. This is Dorothy
1: Lamour, okay, the the, the, act, the actor who plays with Bing Crosby and uh, Bob Hope in those road shows, and and by the way, uh, the reason why I played the whole clip is because I don't know if you noticed, but they had a lot of fun freedom back at that time. This is the '40s, right? And I don't know if you heard Bob Hope. Uh, I'm sorry, first Bing Crosby when they were singing, he said, yeah, we just might meet Dorothy L'Amour, right? And then Bob Holt, later on, he says, yeah, we're going to be around because we're our contract with Paramount is still up for five, we're still good for five years. So to be able to joke like that, right, about your contract and even name the studio that's producing you, very nice, very cool. So this is Dorothy L'Amour, okay. Hetty Lamar." Hedy Lamar, and okay, as a kid, you hear the names of different actresses and actors when I was growing up, right? So I was much more familiar with Dorothy Lamour because of the Roadshow movies, Morocco. Uh, wasn't so familiar with Hedy Lamar, And when I looked her up, okay, get this everybody. Uh, she was involved in an invention during World War II that was used uh, by the Allied forces. Okay, and this is what this invention was. I guess when you're doing torpedoes, you have a radio signal that goes to the torpedo. Now once again, if I misspeak, I I apologize and I will correct myself later, but so a signal would go to the torpedo. And the enemy had a way of jamming that signal, that radio signal that would go from the ship to the torpedo to guide it. So what Hedy Lamar came up with was this device called frequency hopping, which basically means that the frequency that's being used for the radio signal from the ship to the torpedo keeps jumping around. So it's hard, it's, it's not possible to jam it. How cool is that? Seriously. But do you think she was ever given credit for that? No, not even. Why? Well, we all know why, don't we? How how jacked up is that? I mean, she she was involved very significantly in in the development of a device that helped the Allied forces win World War Two, right, and not given any credit for it. That's just seriously jacked up. And uh, when I read that, because I was curious about the two, I thought maybe they were related, but Lamore, Lamar, Lamar yeah, there's a little difference when <laughs> you think about it, right? So this brings to mind um, another. Uh, individual i came across by virtue of uh historical fiction now i was not familiar with that at all uh my wife tears introduced me to it i mean historical fiction novels are very cool because they're based on history but you read a lot of you you read about a whole lot of stuff that you don't read in any history books (laughs) Seriously, okay? I mean, it's a very interesting genre of novels. Growing up, I was always into science fiction,
2: uh, fantasy novels, but uh, historical fiction is in history. It's a human thing, right? And what do history books do?
1: They tell it from the standpoint of whoever it is, who's telling the story, his story. Hey, why isn't it called her story? (laughs) There you go, you see, his, her. So let me continue on to that. Okay, when I was preparing to give a talk at the International Astronomical Federation uh, in Washington, D.C. in 2019, oh, it was so cool, it was the uh, 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, I mean, it was just so much energy, and I mean, this was October, right? This was basically two years ago, everybody. I believe I gave my talk on October the 18th, which, yeah, almost a day to the month, uh, uh, a day to the year, and it
2: was great, and, and COVID had not hit. i so lucky to have been able to attend
1: that, that conference. Oh, you had a lot of people there because again, it was the fiftieth anniversary of Apollo eleven. So you had a a lot of uh, different people from different areas. I mean government, the entertainment business, it was very cool. It was very cool. and And so um, because my talk was about outreach and 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 mathematics. And you remember my saying, right? Physics is the window into our amazing world of nature and mathematics is the tool to open that window. In my talk, I wanted to get a, that point across and also um, I wanna talk about how uh, it's important to the theme of this conference was leave, uh, leave no one behind, include everybody. And that specifically
2: was geared towards women. That was the theme. Of, I heard from
1: my wife, Teresa, in, in this historical uh, novel that she read. Okay, I think we're sharing screen. So, okay, so this is Hedy Lamar, right? Made a serious contribution to the war effort. Okay, all right, I'm going to bring up my screen, and uh, let's see here. I think we're doing, okay, I'm going to, I'm sorry, everybody, let me just, uh. Uh. Oh, if you can't see this, but we're sharing screen, okay? Okay, let me know. Uh. Hey, Ray, do me a favor. Would you kind of give me a a, a, applause or something if you can see the screen? All right. Oh, that's music to my ears. So, yeah, you see? Hey, notice me in my sphere, right? On the campus of the University of Costa Rica. (laughs) So I gave the talk on October the 18th. So I'm just going to go down to the slide where I talk about this individual. Her name is Ada Byron Lovelace. She was basically the first computer programmer, wrote the first computer program. Do you think you would ever hear about that in any history book that you've ever read? No. Ada's algorithm, right? And uh, the reason why I have the pictures of Frankenstein, uh, well, one reason is because I was trying to get the point across that so many students view mathematics like a monster, (laughs) like Frankenstein, right? Something to be scared of and frightened. And, but the connection was, was that a woman wrote the great classic novel, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley, and get this, a good friend of Mary Shelley's was Lord Byron, and Ada was Lord Byron's daughter, so this was in the novel, the historical fiction novel that uh, Tirza showed me, and uh, and again, here you have a woman who made such a significant contribution. I mean, the first computer program, The first computer programmer. Wow, a woman, huh? (laughs) Tell me about it. That's just unbelievably tripped out that such knowledge is left out of our history books. Okay, and now I'm gonna proceed on. Now, many of you may have heard about this, hidden figures, right? The story about the women who, without them, NASA, I don't think NASA would exist, to be quite honest about it, because before computers became available, these women with pencil and paper using mathematical equations, here we go back to mathematical equations being the tool to open our amazing the window the physics is the amazing window and mathematics is the tool to open it they use mathematical equations to calculate the orbits the trajectories of the early NASA spacecraft such as Gemini can you believe that i mean without them we would have never went on from Gemini to Apollo oh and then you had Mercury before Gemini so They were around Mercury, Gemini, okay? And and so let's extrapolate out. Without these women, we would have never landed on the moon, right? Because they got the job done to get the space program going by using pencil and paper until computers came along and computers were used. Did you ever read about these women in any history book you've ever read? I don't think so unbelievable isn't it everybody it really truly is (laughs) I mean it really is that's an equation I can't figure out why would you exclude credit why would you not give credit to people who deserve that credit okay now to me the exclusion of these, these examples of people being knowledge that they gave to the human race by virtue of their gender, that's very akin to me, and you know I want to use that word, that's very akin to me of ignoring ancient knowledge.
2: Because, because it's ancient, what, it doesn't deserve the credit?
1: That it holds It doesn't deserve the importance Think about it If ancient civilizations Who all start A uh, uh, close attention to the moon Think about it They were able to figure out Basically the equation of the earth And just like with any other data you collect You have a lot of it And experimentation, okay but ancient peoples, from the moon, they determined when it was the right time to, to plant the crops, okay? I mean, hey, maybe first time out the gate, they might have said, okay, we'll plant in August. And then, oops, no, nope, that wasn't it. We should. They found out by trial and error, maybe they got it right the first time. But they found out that it was important to plant their crops in the spring. And back to those two east and west aligned spheres that told the barucas the day of the spring equinox, the day to plant your crops, right? To have a successful uh, harvest, which would be later in the fall in August or September, I guess around the the fall equinox. Hey, harvest moon, right, September, uh, and I think it's, it's called Harvest Moon," because uh, the moon was out, the full moon was out later, so farmers could harvest their crops later into the night. All survival, right? Getting attuned to the Earth to know when to plant the crops. And also knowing uh, when things are not right. And here, now, again. During my shows, a lot of times things occur to me on the spur of the moment, and this is why I tend to misspeak, <clears throat> excuse me, on occasions. But I always try to go back and correct myself. Okay. So um Mariella, her video last episode, where she talked about her and her son were at the beach the day before the Haiti earthquake. Okay, and I didn't realize that they noticed these waves that the sea was angry, as she put it, the day before the earthquake occurred. And then I, I followed it up talking about my experience in California with seeing the waves that had propagated all the way from Japan across the ocean to hit the shores of California after the Japan earthquake that caused the tsunami. But I realized that Mariella's experience, her and her son, That was the day before. So the angry sea, as she called it, these waves, they were actually manifesting themselves. Oh, and you know I want to use that word. (laughs) They were manifesting themselves before the actual event, before the earthquake occurred. But the ocean was already showing that the earth was angry. The earth was not content and this earthquake occurred the very next day in Haiti. That, that's, that's very intense. Okay, all right, so now, um, what I'm going to do now is, again, when you think about all the individuals from history that have been excluded just by virtue of their gender, from receiving the credit, the acknowledgement, And then you think about ancient peoples and their culture and what they learned about the moon. And if they hadn't learned what they learned about the moon and the earth, human race wouldn't have survived. So to discount that ancient knowledge, to call it myth or folklore or legends, yeah, I don't see the connection there whatsoever. Okay, so now um,
2: what I want to do real quickly is out of the uh the document
1: that I read from last week uh the the museum and the reason for that is because I'm going to get to my my um my theory and I just want to make sure the reason why I'm reading this again is because um I want to underline the fact that, in in all the uh, all the scientific community, mainstream science that I've read, okay. They really don't give credit. I don't think to, okay. I don't know why this window won't, but we'll just make do. Okay, so. Um, where I got to last time and I want to get through this quickly because we have some cool Stellarium stuff to do constellations and the reason why I want to go through this in addition to showing that my theory is in none of the literature that I've read has has it been said my theory about the connection of the spheres with the phases of the moon so uh, last episode I stopped at constellations the reason why I want to read through this part real quickly again is because when we go to the to Stellarium, the names of the constellations that are mentioned in here, you will actually see in Stellarium. Okay, so, uh, so I'm just gonna go down to constellations. Okay, and here we go. All right. Okay. The groups of spheres can represent the reading and the representation of a specific group of stars, Also, the arrangement or the order of the spheres or the group of spheres is different, but they seem to correspond to a preconceived plan. In this case, one can explore associations with those constellations visible in the dry season of the year and closer to the Milky Way. Some constellations that tend to be more visible by their pole position and the relationship with the Milky Way stand out for their reoccurrence in the mythology of groups around the world. Excuse me. We can cite Orion, Taurus, Canis Minor, Pleiades. For example, the stars that are in the Western traditions, the ones that are known as the constellations uh, constellations of Orion for the Egyptians, Rosiris for the Chamal, which is a thief thrown to the vultures for the ponies, some deer, and for the Bribri here in Costa Rica, once again, the barucho mentioned. It is a stick of Cebu, according to an authority called Reston
2: 1905. 19- 19- this program also produced 1500 after Common Era for the hours before
1: dawn and the early hours of dusk, where the constellations of Orion and Taurus. From the observation point of the spheres, Orion and Taurus, including the Pleiades, would have appeared in the east during the summer, during the summer solstice in June before sunrise, between 5 and 6 a.m. Six months later on, the winter solstice appeared in the same direction around 7 p.m. The two groups are particularly important for the role mentioned in the mythology of those groups. And here's some of the constellations you're gonna see when we go to to Stellarium, which we're we're viewing the night sky from Farm Six. Stars such as Betelgeuse, Sirius, Aldebaran, Procyon, and others were bright in their appearance on the horizon, may have played their role in the beliefs of the indigenous groups of the Deke Delta. Field observations. The possible associations documented in this simulation proved to be difficult to prove in the field due to their rainy or cloudy conditions on the date indicated. When they were possible, it was striking on March 21st, 2006, that night, (coughs) excuse me, the group of stars over the spheres, and he's talking about, uh, this document is talking about in Farm Six, were Orion. So Orion was hanging out above the spheres. Orion, right, Orion's belt, the three stars, Due to the high visibility in the place, it is possible to think that during the dry season, the starry night constituted constituted an opportunity to narrate myths, to narrate myths and legends used in the grouping of the stars, which is very interesting. Okay, nice little side comment. Okay, and now we finish up. On the other hand, we have tried to observe some parallels between sets of spheres and constellations or sections of this. Comments. uh, From others says that although it is true, there's also pain so far, this is an interesting way to put it. There's also pain so far. Do not allow to base any specific association. So very hard, very painful to try to get any kind of specific association between the spheres and the constellations. And then they go on to say, neither can we rule them out and we must continue to investigate. The spheres can still be inscribed in the tradition of many groups to record their observation of celestial phenomena by creating mnemonic mechanisms. Mnemonic, just something you you use to remember something, right? Um, excuse me, uh, uh, an assistance to, to memory, just something that will jar your memory to remember something, mnemonic mechanisms. These mnemonic aids were common in many ancient societies. The rich belief system of neighbor, neighboring groups supports the assumption. It is through continuous field observations that preliminary observations can be supported or discarded. Okay, there we go, everybody. We had completely read everything that Mariela read from the go-to uh, archeological document by the head archeologist at the National uh, Museum of Costa Rica. Okay, now what we're gonna do is I wanna play a video and last episode, okay, remember I referred to my theory which we're gonna get to, we're gonna continue on after the, the video, but I called it my aha moment, right? I played it last episode, but the uh, screen sharing, you couldn't hear it. So now we're going to play it again, and you will
2: be able to hear it. But before that, uh, both of these videos, and, uh, and,
1: and this first video, it's at the National Museum. Ray is the filmer. And, and there's me with a sphere, the sphere that's displayed in front of the National Museum of History, uh, sorry, National Museum of Costa Rica. Uh, and, but, but because we've t- been talking about survival and that's where all the early observations of the moon came from for all the ancient civilizations, I thought it'd be cool to play this again in conjunction with the AHA video. So Ray, if you would, uh, do, I need to, do I need to stop uh, screen sharing? I probably do, okay. I'll stop screen sharing so you can play this, Ray. Okay.
0: It's the brightest and most noticeable object in the night sky, but if you spin.
1: Physics is the oldest of sciences. Even older than astronomy and mathematics, physics has been with us since the dawn of humankind. Before our primeval ancestors began to gaze up in wonderment at the stars in the night sky, they were busy looking around at their surroundings to survive. Before they began to squint up at the blazing sun in amazement, they sought to possess its life-giving warmth through fire. Physics is older than biology and chemistry. Before our primeval ancestors wanted to know what the plants, the animals, the air, the water were made out of, they wanted to know their own physical capabilities. Before they learned to count each other, they learned the laws of nature. But these are not the survival of the fittest jungle laws, no. These laws our primeval ancestors learned instinctively by observing the world around them. These laws would aid them in being successful on the hunt instead of becoming the hunted. These are the laws of physics. Yes, eventually they made their way into our textbooks and upon our blackboards, but they did not originate from either. These laws came from our primeval ancestors observing the world around them in order to survive. These are the laws that come from observing nature. These are the laws of natural physics. Have you ever used the expression, aha, when you finally figure something out? The pyramid builders of the ancient civilization of Egypt, located on the continent of Africa, used algebraic equations written in hieroglyphics to construct their pyramids. In algebra, the goal is to solve for the unknown variable, x, the unknown the ancient Egyptian word for their unknown variable in their algebraic equations was, get this, aha. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was from 2017. Four years ago, Ray came down here to, to, uh, to Costa Rica, uh, hung out, we did some filming for natural physics. Oh yeah, it was, it was great, it was, it was awesome. Uh, so my aha moment was when I came up with my theory that the sizes of the spheres represent the proximity to when a full moon is going to occur. Now, you hear the theory about that the chiefs or the the upper echelon or whatever they would call themselves uh, had their houses by the bigger spheres, right? So as you approached, you got closer to the chief. Well, you know what? Hey, if you're the chief, you wanna put your house next to the location of where there's gonna be a full uh, a full moon, right? And the possibility of a lunar eclipse, okay? So yeah, that my theory would agree with that. Say, it, it, saying that as the spheres got larger and larger, which would indicate you're getting closer to a full moon, which probably also meant that the sun was getting ready to be close to uh, the paths of the sun and the moon were getting ready to cross, so you might have a lunar eclipse. Yeah, I would guess the Chiefs would want to have his or her abode by the bigger spheres. Yeah. Why why wouldn't you want to be located to the location where a lunar eclipse where it's indicated that a lunar eclipse is going to occur? Okay. So um, so that was my theory. And we're going to go to Stellarium and I want you to keep in mind that what my theory says is that as a lunar calendar, the positions of the spheres definitely kept track of the paths of the moon and the sun across the sky. I mean, look at the two spheres that are oriented east and west to indicate sunrise on the horizon on the spring solstice to let the people know that it was time to plant their crops. Okay. So, yeah, both the paths of both the sun and the moon were kept track of by the spheres. And when I place the Larium, you're going to get an idea of uh why it would require so many spheres to be able to do that. Okay? And in addition, the sizes of the spheres that used as a lunar calendar to indicate the phases of the moon okay now the 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 video that i was going to play in addition to the one it was is a pretty interesting video about the phases of the moon but with the time and and basically it just said that uh the moon the phase of the moon changes every night okay yes we talk about uh full moon new moon quarter moon crescent moon but when you think about it the percentage of the moon's surface that is visible from night to night changes very discreetly right it's not just four phases i mean there's a lot of intermediate phases so again so many sizes of the spheres could account for that and the number of spheres needed to keep track of the paths of the sun and the moon in order to know the two lunar nodes that would require a lot of spheres as well which we're going to go to stellarium now and you're going to see what i mean now there's some things i want to mention just because i don't want to forget first of all the island that I showed uh, two episodes ago off the coast of the Dekey Delta, that beautiful island um, where I had the encounter with the beautiful furry, furry person on the beach. Uh, not only has spheres been found in just those 10 square city blocks of the whole world, right? Remember 10 hectares is basically 10 square city blocks of all the world, but also spheres have been found on an island off the coast of the DeKee Delta, maybe that's that island. I I mean, it was the biggest one that we saw, but so maybe that's it. And when you think about it, the fact that spheres have been found on an isolated island like that, that would help with the constraints involved, the geography, uh, hills, valleys, terrain, vegetation, that might help narrow down Answering the questions of uh, who, when, why, and especially how, right? The fact that they actually are found on an island. Wow. Okay. So now let's get to Stellarium and I will do a, a screen share. So let's get to Stellarium so I can illustrate what I was talking about. Okay. All right. So now. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna open up Stellarium. Ray again, by virtue of, oh, by the way, Ray, I heard from somewhere that you possibly had a birthday within the last week or so. Is that true? And if so, happy, happy birthday, Ray. yeah all right what what it is actually ray is that tears has sent me a WhatsApp picture of you with uh an older gentleman and it said happy birthday and it was you know it says some other sentiments and yeah nice picture so again hey happy birthday all right here we are in stellarium now the first thing i want to do Is okay. I'm gonna go back to my desktop. Okay, so you remember the great American eclipse that occurred uh, four years ago in 2017. Let's just type this date into Stellarium and look at see and look and see what a uh, solar eclipse looked like, okay. So we're talking August 21st, 2017, okay, so August 21st, um, now I I still want to be at Farm 6, so I want to go here and, uh, you know, if everybody is seeing this, I know you are, because Ray would let me know if not, this, this okay, uh, the Starry Night Enthusiast is what the archeologists at the uh, National Museum of Costa Rica used. And as I said before, I wasn't familiar with it. And, uh, okay, their research, 2005, 2006, 2007, before that, um, I became familiar with Stellarium in 2010. So, uh, I, I think it's just, it, it's the greatest. So. Okay, so now we're at farm six. Now, let's go back, let me just double check. I believe that date was, okay, August 21st, 2017. So let's do a little time traveling in Stellarium. Let's go to, um, um, oh, first, I I want to keep track of the path of the moon, okay? I wanna do that on this, so let's do that. Okay, the sun we can see very clearly. I don't need the ephemeris. Okay, okay. So now we got the path of the moon on here. So now let's go to our date of August, August uh, 21st, 2017. Okay, August 21st, 2017. So let's go to uh, date and let's set this for, okay, August. Let's go, let's do the 20th and 2017. So let's just see what a, what a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse, the great solar eclipse that occurred in America four years ago. Let's see what that looks like, okay. All right, all right, so, all right. So let's, um, let's look at the east. We wanna see the sun coming up. All right, and let's go, let's roll we're going to speed it up a little bit so you can see this is August 20th, 2017. Okay? And now, you see how the path of the moon is changing across the horizon? Think about how many spheres it would be needed to keep track of that, right? Because the 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 location of the sun and the moon when they uh when they come up for sunrise, and they go down for sunset on the horizon, changes from day to day, 365 days of the year, okay? Okay, now we're in August 21st, so we should be seeing the eclipse. See, Aldebaran, Beetlejuice, see, Sirius, that's what I was saying, Park that's what I was saying, how that document, it it says these, uh, okay, here comes the sun, okay? Okay, look at the moon right there. I think that's supposed to be the moon. So let's check this out, okay? How cool is that? That is showing, you know, you would think in this case that the uh, that black dot would be, but you know, this is pretty good. I mean, it shows that there's another object with the sun on August 21st, 2017. How cool is that, okay? All right, okay. So we're gonna stop this, gonna stop this. Now what I wanna do is I wanna go to, when was the last total lunar eclipse? That was January 21st, 2019. So let's punch that into a Stellarium and see what that looks like. Okay, January 21st, 2019, okay. So let's see here. Okay, I always wanna start in the east. Okay, so that was January 21st, 2019, so let's go to the date. So we wanna go to 2019, January, and let's do 20th. Let's start in the east sunrise on the 20th, okay. So I think we're good to go, January 20th, 2019. So, let's see what a total lunar eclipse looks like in Stellarium, okay, here we go. Speed it up a little bit here, okay. Maybe a little bit more, there we go, okay. Okay, so we got the path of the moon traced out. So as it gets darker and darker, okay, there comes the moon. Yeah, evidently that that path is not quite, okay, so let's just keep track of the moon as it goes across the sky. Usually the moon is right on that yellow line. That's interesting, okay.
2: Oh, now do you see how the moon got darker all of a sudden? Clips, okay,
1: let's pause it, okay, so we're gonna go
2: back, I'm gonna go back a little bit, okay, okay,
1: see how it's getting darker, there's the earth passing between the, uh, The sun and the moon. How cool is that, right? Okay, all right, now we're gonna stop it. Okay, we're gonna stop it. Now what I wanna do, everybody, when is the next total lunar eclipse? Okay, it's May 16th, 2022. So imagine my theory that the size of the spheres represent proximity to getting to a full moon and remember that when the sun is going to be close to the point where the moon is going to cross its path and when that moon is going to be a full moon you're going to have a lunar eclipse okay so now we're going to punch into stellarium the next lunar eclipse may 16 2022 and try to imagine that the positions of the spheres are keeping track of the path of the moon and the sun they're keeping track of where those two heavenly bodies set in the evening and rise in the morning right and you saw how the paths of both when they when they come up for sunrise and when they go down for sunset, how it changes from day to day, okay? And then to that, add the phases of the moon, which change a little bit every night. As you go from one night to the next, from a new moon to a full moon, a little bit more of the moon becomes illuminated, right? You could even call it like a decimal system, right? If the sizes of the spheres not only keep track of half moon, crescent moon, full moon, and new moon, but all the intermediate phases of the moon. Okay, so let's do that. May 16th, 2022. Okay, so let's do that. So let's go to date, uh, 2022. Okay, let me just check. I just want to make sure. okay, May sixteenth, twenty twenty two okay, May sixteenth. And let's 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 do twenty because let's give us a little bit more of a of a of a buffer before. So May twentieth, okay, that's gonna be two days before no, May sixteenth. see, I'm glad I checked. Okay, so we want to go to may let's go to may 14 okay may 16 2022 may 14 20 okay so let us let's let it roll and let's imagine the spheres keeping track of the paths of the sun and the moon and the phases of the moon as this total lunar eclipse approaches. Okay, here we go, all right. Okay, let's speed it up. Oh, you know what, let me pause it. Like I always do, let's uh, let's swing around to the east very easy to get your bearings when you start at the beginning of the day okay here we go we're farm six may 14 2022 okay here we go all right speed it up so this would be the view of the moon and the sun from farm six okay we did a little future time travel saturn coming up and again you see how um you see how the path of the moon how it goes across the horizon okay Okay um look at you know let me just pause this one second everybody I just want to make sure that I did indicate that I wanted the moon okay I did I I wanted to be the moon I wanted it to okay Okay, all right, that's cool. Okay, just wanted to check. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay, so let's keep going. Speed it up. So there you see the sun and the moon are very close together, right? You're getting close to a lunar eclipse, everybody. You're getting close to where the sun and the moon are gonna cross paths. And we're just gonna follow the two across the sky, okay? Okay, and we're gonna head back. Ooh, see. I'm gonna head back towards the ground. Okay, there we go in the west. Okay, look how close their trajectories are together. Keep in mind the spheres, they were geared to keep track of where both of these heavenly bodies set at night and rode. there's Betelgeuse, Procyon. See, there's those uh, constellations that were in the uh, research paper.
2: Okay, 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 we're on the 16th. So let's watch
1: this lunar eclipse happen, everybody. Okay. Wow, wouldn't it be cool if we learned enough from the spheres to be able to predict this with the spheres? Okay, here comes the sun. Okay. All right. Now the moon is gonna come up pretty soon. Okay. Let's keep track of when the moon comes up because this we wanna see the lunar eclipse. The sun is gonna go on its way. All right. Okay, coming up pretty soon. Okay, here we go. Okay. Should be okay there. Now it's on the yellow line. Okay. Now
2: Okay. Yeah, okay. What we're going to do All right. Okay, what we're going to do real quickly.
1: Uh I believe yeah, I think it happened while we were watching. So let's just let's just go back to uh Okay. Let's just go back to twenty to five fifteen. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. And let's just, just want to make sure it did say may okay. So let's go back and let's uh swing around to the east. Okay. Let's just get it rolling. Okay. My whole point of doing this is to show you how much data it would be required to keep track of the paths of the sun. Wait a minute, that's not right. Okay, it went back to today. I'm sorry, everybody, let me go back up here. Okay, yeah, okay. May 15th, 2022. Okay, May 15th, 2022, right? May 15th. Okay. Okay, here we go. And I'll be ending on this. So this is cool. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, let's speed it up. Okay, so we're at farm 6 on May the 15th. Okay. We're going to watch the moon come up. Okay, there's oh it's right on the line. Now look how big it is. So it's going to get small when we get close to the lunar eclipse, which is the Earth. Oh, I'm sorry. There, see there you go. You see how it got small? There's your full lunar eclipse, everybody.
2: Okay. There. Uh, according to to Stellarium, it will occur at about 16. It distinctly got smaller. Okay, so once again, excuse me. As
1: you watched, and you can go into Stellarium. You can download it, you can play with it. Hey, you know the another interesting experiment. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop screen sharing now. I'm gonna do this. Uh let's see. Okay, I'll go back to our deal. Okay, stop screen sharing. Okay. Okay, so I should be I stopped screen sharing. Okay, here we are. I'm back. Okay. Okay, so um take one little last drink of water. Okay you can see by the path of the sun and the moon as depicted in Stellarium, of how much data it would require to keep track of the positions of both of those bodies, okay? And you can also uh, see by the phases of the moon, how much data it would require to keep track of that. So in order for the spheres, to be able to do both would require a lot of them. And again, with my theory, it it would require a lot of different sizes of them. So now that I have my theory, even more so than before, I need to talk with somebody in the baruchas. that's what needs to be done. And so next episode, we will endeavor to have such a person on our show. Okay, on that note, my aha moment, you know, I'm enjoying it so much. And I think it's just as plausible, me reading from the uh, authority document To the very end, no mention of the spheres being used, their sizes to keep track of the phases of the moon. In all the literature I've read, nothing even remotely said like that. So it is very well possible, everybody, that we have the key to how they were used to predict lunar eclipses how they were used as a lunar calendar to keep track of the phases of the moon. Okay. With that I will say as we continue rock, rocking and rolling with the spheres tune in next week. You know what? We got we got started a little bit later so let's yeah, let's just go a little bit more huh Ray you, you don't mind do you? <laughs> okay. Okay, so um Again, all the ancient cultures, they based their knowledge on their experiences, experimentation, what they observed in nature, okay? They figured out the equation of the earth, the seasons, right? Spring, summer, fall, winter, they figured it out. And it took a long time, many, many generations to find the patterns in nature, right? Natural physics, natural physics. That's what ancient cultures did. They did natural physics. Okay, on that note, I will leave you until next week. Tune in, same fat time, same fat channel.